<laughs> that will not be on the podcast. Oh, is this a bad idea? I'm hanging with uh, two of my oldest friends, uh, Buzzy and Stork. Uh, we don't need to use real names here. And they came to visit me out at the beach. We haven't seen each other in a few years. We met when we were 18 years old at Geneseo. We were in the same fraternity. And uh, we decided to have a little boys weekend. And we've been hanging out on the beach, drinking and partying and listening to music. And then I, uh, I wasn't going to do this. I, I was like, you know what? We don't have to podcast. Let's just hang out and laugh and tell some old stories. But then Buzzy hits me up this morning that he actually made a list. Actually, I, I did have a. I've had a list kicking around. Uh, there's a bag I carry with me on all my all my trips, yeah. and I, this list probably goes back four or five years ago. It was uh, a little show prep on my end yeah. before uh, before I was dropping by your studio one day. Uh, Back uh, at the last show, and uh, <laughs> you, you can't even keep track of my shows anymore. Yeah, it was one of them. It was. Uh, it was. I like was uh, before I was going to drop into CQ 102 in Geneva, but uh, but uh, I, I came up with a list, I, and I happen to have it with me. And uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. No, 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 no. I'm going to stall. I'm going to stall because I'm very scared to get to that list, and I I do want to kind of like bring everyone up to speed. So we met when we were 18 years old. Actually, how it started was Fred. Oh, I just used your real name. Is that okay, Fred? That's okay. Okay. Uh, Stork and Buzzy uh, were roommates freshman year in Geneseo, right? You want to you wanna just uh, tell the people a little bit about that? Yeah, we were roommates. I got to room with my lovely friend right here and another guy from Lockport who turned out to be a guy named Father S, we'll call him. And turns out that they were didn't even know each other for the same class, but we were hanging out. This guy named uh, K, <laughs> we'll call him K, <laughs> right? And K invited you over to a party, and I think that's where the legend took off. That was it for me. It was almost like you know, in the Wizard of Oz, they they went from black and white to color. Yes, yes. my yes. whole college experience went from black and white to color when I met these two guys. Well, you put a put a trio of communications majors together in uh, 1982. Some, uh, some crazy things are going to happen. I thought it was 1992, uh, yeah. Buzzy. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I know we're getting older. Are you losing your mind already? We two. went to college from 1991 to 1995, 96. <laughs> that's, the, that's it. That's that. If you say that's it, go, go for it. I, I, can, I can vouch for that because I didn't participate in certain things that now have oils, three letters, C, B, and D, that my friend here did. Are those your grades? Uh, <laughs> those are too high. Oh, we're going to get into grades uh, in a little bit and how Freddie got really mad that we couldn't find one of his finals. One of his finals. Uh, Didn't we find four out of your five? Um, that hasn't been confirmed. <laughs> Can they go back and erase your GPA if it turns out that you had... It, you know, there, it wasn't supposed to be an open book test, but for you it was. Uh, at some point, yes, but I was a little upset that I couldn't find one. Well, we could, we could certainly start with that story. So, we... Uh, well, who knows this story best? Let's, uh, I'm going to rewind and say... Okay, so back in the day, I think you're allowed to use that phrase. Um, 1990s. Yes, back in the day in the 1990s, um, every fraternity house, of course, had the file. Okay, this is not unique to Geneseo by any means. Every fraternity house in the country has a file, right? It's old papers, it's old tests, and uh, these things get passed along from year to year and generation to generation. But um, in a in a... In a, in a certain situation, we, we, we found that the, the file didn't have what we were looking for. So what's the next best thing? Well, back in the day of carbon copies, you just go and steal the garbage. <laughs> or, or you find one of your finals, one of my fraternity brothers found one of the finals, just lay, perched right on top of the garbage, not even coffee or cigarettes or anything on top of it, just saying, here's Fred's final. Look, I'll say this, because I, I honestly don't know how deep you guys went with this one, but I was one of the guys that actually uh, climbed into windows, because we're like, why wait for the professors to dump their garbage in the dumpster when you could go in their office and, and find it in the wastebasket right next, next to their desk? 
I swear, I don't know if these guys ever did this because I'm admitting to a crime, <laughs> but because I worked at the radio station, I there was a window that always was never locked. And we used that to go to the radio station sometimes because people because people wouldn't hear you banging and stuff. So you would pop in this really tiny uh, window. None of us could fit in this thing anymore, unfortunately. And then that led to the whole speech communications department, which led to everyone's office, which was unlocked. So it got so aggressive that we were actually going on missions. Didn't we have walkie-talkies, too? <laughs> we had walkie-talkies. Okay, so so the convenient thing about the location of all these things, the radio station, the communications department, and the library. Remember that building? You might have heard of it, <laughs> right? The library had a copying machine. So when the library was open... Till maybe what one a.m. two a.m. You're good to go. You just scoot over there, make a photocopy of the document that you somehow have achieved possession of, and you could put it back, and no one's the wiser. But I remember one instance. There was uh, another friend, not amongst us, uh, who who uh, needed a final exam, and the library was closed. So, using our communication skills, I'm familiar. I know a friend who. <laughs> Recorded, who recorded and basically read the final exam into a cassette player, handed the cassette to another friend, and said, Sorry, the library was closed. You'll just have to listen to your final exam on this cassette tape. Like an audiobook. Yes. Yes. We were ahead of our time. It was audible before audible was a thing. This would be a good uh, place to explain. So at Geneseo, we all worked at the radio station. Uh, besides being friends and in the same fraternity, we all had radio shows. I decided to move on and uh, have a radio career. Uh, Buzzy decided, although he's really good in front of the mic, he decided he wanted to go TV. So I would run the radio station. Buzzy would run the TV station. And then, Fred, you continued doing a, a radio show, and then you moved on to uh, printing and the College Union snack bar where I fed my friend <laughs> Buzzy here. That's right. <laughs> no, you got a really good career, too. <laughs> he works for uh, a very successful newspaper. Let's just put it that way. Um, but anyway, uh, getting back to the final exam. So for me, college was a joke in the classroom. And I think it was a joke for you in the classroom, a- Absolutely. Right? So we were like, why study when we could be using that time to work on our craft, in my case, it was uh, developing a, a very early radio show, and in your case, I had you were developing an entire TV uh, TV station for the. College. I had I had commercials on the air in Rochester before I graduated. Yeah, so I I had I had no guilt when when this uh, came upon us that we could actually get final exams, but we had a business going. Do you remember we were making cash? I don't know if I don't know who who did what here, and I, I'm being honest because I know there's some. We're all nervous about the stories that we have on each other, but I was I was all in. I was definitely making money. And at the at the uh, fraternity house, the phone would ring. Do you remember? And it would be other fraternities and sororities, and you know. The, the fraternity and sorority system up there is really aggressive, and there were times you were you were having all out brawls at the in between and 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 whatnot. But everyone came together for final exams <laughs> and the midterms, and these fraternity houses that we didn't get along with would be calling us like, "Hey, do you have a Psych 101 with blah blah?" I'm like, "Oh, let me look," and we would go down to the basement. And at this point, we were collecting so much garbage. I don't know. I don't know. Why the garbage it men weren't looked, weren't suspicious? It looked like a waste management recycling <laughs> yes! facility. Yes, because you just had dozens and dozens of garbage bags yeah. with papers strown everywhere. Yeah. So literally, it, you, it was like dumpster diving in a forty foot by forty foot room. Yeah, yeah, we would just dump all the garbage in the basement, and then we would have to go through it. And and not only were we finding a lot of exams back in the day. We would find parts of exams, and then do you remember we would let them dry out, and then we would try to find other pieces like it was a, a puzzle? It was a giant puzzle. And then, we'll, yes. and then we'd call back the fraternity of the sorority and go, look, we, we could only find a third of Psych 101 for you. So, you know, I think the going rate, we were like charging like $100 or $200 for a final exam. So we're like, ah, yeah, we'll reduce, uh, we'll reduce this. Just give, give, get us a couple pictures of beer the next time you see us at the in between. <laughs> so this leads to this, this ass to my left, Stork. So he was one of the lucky ones. We actually found. Is it true we found four out of your five final exams one one semester? 
four out of the five, and I, actually one of them was one of the fraternity brothers worked in the office and ran off an extra copy. Ran off a perfectly copy that was going to be handed out the very next day. Funny part is you still got a D on it. <laughs> <laughs> but this idiot, I, I remember like it was yesterday, would get mad at me and, and the other people that were part of the organization, let's just say, that we couldn't find his fifth exam. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? I still got to study for one exam. What a BF. This is true. <laughs> Stork, I love you. This but, is very true. But then that that continued long after we graduated, and, and and I mean, I think we're safe to say this at this point. Didn't we come upon a key eventually? There was. Does a anyone key. remember the key thing? Because I, I know this was after us because we we uh, left this for the people coming up in the fraternity house, and they they continued the business for for quite a a bunch of years after the fact, and I think we finally led to a key. There was a key, and the reason there was a key was because another friend of ours was a custodian in the summer. So he had a master key, and the key to the key was getting it copied. Now, this master key, as I recall, it's all coming back to me. Um, It said, do not copy on it. So what do you do? You find a friend who works at a hardware store and say... You see the do not copy? Yeah, I need a copy. Done. That got us the key. No questions asked. Hardware store on Main Street. I don't know how that whole thing ended, but no one really got in trouble. I I think they finally got away from um, the, what was it called back? Uh, The carbon copies? Carbon copies and the print copies. Because mine actually was another one of those four of the five was sitting perched on top of the garbage. Somebody went to get it. They... One of our associates' friends, as we'll say, opened up the garbage bag that came from one of the offices, and it was sitting, and they go, Hey, who's got Psych 101 with blah, blah, blah? I go, Right here, dude. And lo and behold, the test was the same test. So one of them, there was about, say, 50 people in the class. So one of the teachers heard about there could have been something fishy going on. So actually, say there was a hundred questions. So the man to my left might have got test A, which was one through a hundred. I could have gotten test B, which meaning question one was actually question 51. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. (laughs) Gee. Which made him more pissed off. (laughs) So that fake cast that he had with the flap on it didn't didn't quite work? (laughs) Why? Why? You should have just called your professor at home and said, hey, man, make it easy for me. And just hand me the test uh, two days before the exam. I actually knew a woman that she had a coat. This was her favorite coat. And on the liner... She showed it to me. It was so worn thin because she wrote all these notes on the coat. And I saw her the day before graduation. And she goes, oh, I can't believe I can finally get rid of this coat. Now, think about it. Even in Geneseo in April, May, you don't really need a coat. But she had this coat that had everything written on it. And she finally took it out and said, I'm throwing it in the garbage. It got me through college. Wow. She could have sold it the next semester as a textbook. (laughs) No, the liner was worn thin. You couldn't even write on it anymore. What sucks about us three, so uh, we all were in the same fraternity, but me and Fred pledged. And this this wonderful person in front of me was our was our big brother as we were as we were pledging. That's right. You guys were pukes in my eyes. Always have been, always will be. <laughs> There's one story. I, I need the other side of this. It's a story I've been telling on the radio for probably twenty years. And I, I remember it as Bomb the Duke. Why, why only half your career? <laughs> Wait. I wasn't a math major, but if you <laughs> went to college starting in 1999, I think. No, no, what's funny about the age thing? So over the years, you know, we, me and Anthony, especially back in the day, we always played young. And so we, we were lucky enough to be in a lot of magazines and newspaper articles and, and whatnot. And we always fudged our ages. And I would, I would get phone calls from you guys every once in a while. Like, <laughs> when you get to be 10 years younger than me, I'm calling a press conference. <laughs> I, was, I thought I went to school with Doogie Howser. I'm like, how does he go back? 
in age. Like, how are you mm-mm age and I'm mm-mm age? My brother said the same thing. He's six years younger than me. He's like, bro, I get what you're doing, you know. But as soon as you're younger than me, I'm also going to press yes, yes. The truth is going to come out here. And I always wondered what your sister H will call her would say, how is my oldest brother younger than me by now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never wondered that. So I remember it as uh, Bomb the DK House. Oh, no. Well, maybe it was for your class. For our class, it was Bomb the Promo House. You want to walk us through Bomb the Promo House, which oh, was, my, my, my. which for the old listeners, remember the story as Bomb the DK House? So, it was part of our pledging. Yeah. So, um, uh, of course, there was no hazing back in the day. Um, We're allowed to say that. We are? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I, I bragged that our pledging was insane, and we went through it uh, before they really started uh, trying to make it safe, I guess. My pledging really consisted of playing on a basketball team, drinking a few beers, and singing a few songs. Was your pledging different than mine? Well, that's what I was hoping it was going to be, too. I'm like, hey, man, I'm in Geneseo. I'm young. They're telling me, you know, you join a fraternity and you get to hang out with sororities and have, uh, you know, beer keg parties. I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. Next thing you know, I'm shoving fucking marshmallows up my ass. I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. I just want to be hanging around a keg with with, with a red cup. So You want to talk about bait and switch. <laughs> so the, the, the marshmallows is no exaggeration. But, but, to, but to accurately set the scene... You, you had a room, you had a pledge who was blindfolded, uh, most likely with a maxi pad taped over their eyes. And uh, in, order, in order to facilitate the, the transaction, one had to um, strip down and uh, pick up a marshmallow with their cheeks. And I'm not talking about the cheeks up here, I'm talking about the cheeks down there. And navigate over to a pan or a can and drop it in. And, and you know the the brothers, they were so nice because they would they would guide you, they would help you out. Right, you need to waddle a little to the left. You need to waddle back to the right, and then you're over the target. You're over the target. Bombs away. You <laughs> spread the cheeks a little bit, and boom, there goes the marshmallow. In essence, bombing the promo house. <laughs> and people are like, well, I, I, you know, but th- what happens with pledging for real? To get serious for a second. You realize when you you commit and you pledge a fraternity, and then you start to do this. Let's be honest; it's a it's a bit on the gay side. <laughs> but you're like the alternative is you can't really quit. You can't. Quit. So you're kind of stuck. You're you you you're invested in completing the task. Remember the guys that quit pledging when we were at Geneseo? They were chased out of school. They were chased out of school, and I'm not. Uh, yeah, our fraternity did it and other fraternities did it. They took it that seriously. If you quit pledging, they're like, oh, no, man, now you know some of these secrets. And they would make their life on campus a living hell to the point some of the people had to transfer. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a strong Greek community. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to, uh, we should tell a couple more pledging stories. Well, you know, so. so. I hate that. You were in when we pledged. Yeah, that was Because you always will have the upper yeah. hand here. Yeah, or else I had the upper hand when I was shoveling shit on you in Hell Night. <laughs> I think... I don't see. I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I don't remember that either. I, I I believe that night I was probably playing basketball. Yeah, I don't think so. I was called into GSU. They really needed me to fill in for uh, a little, uh, little shift. I was playing some rock and roll when that was going down. I think I have a picture of myself with a shovel with you sitting... Crisscross applesauce style in the middle of the basement floor with a maxi pad taped over your face as I was shuffling shit onto you. Yep, I got it. See, the people that don't really know Buzzy, like he's been on my shows over the years and Fred has been on a little bit, we don't doubt you. Me and Fred do not doubt you. I have a picture. He came. Do you really? I do have a picture. Yes. I'm posed with fraternity colors on with the shovel. And you can see the, the the poor young lads sitting again, crisscross applesauce on the floor, just waiting for something to get flung their way. I have a picture. Am I actually in the picture? Uh, it's hard to tell with everyone has a maxi pad over their eyes. <laughs> I might have to look for that feathered red hair. That might be the giveaway. Oh, I had terrible mousy red hair and a <laughs> shitty mustache. And I try to tell my wife when she sees old pictures and videos. I'm like, no, man, it was the style back then. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was the... 
pretty in pink style. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> it was the Breakfast Club style. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Of I, course, this would be this would be you know it lingered ten years after those movies came out in the right. mid eighties. Let yes. me ask both of you this. So, what what do you think was the the worst thing we had to do as pledges? Wow, I got one, and maybe I could start, and then if you think okay. you could beat it, yeah, you go. So. Now, I mean, when you go to a college, they're really strict, and it's really back to, you know, drinking a few beers and getting, like, uh, the brothers a candy bar and stuff, more or less. But there is a time, man, when we went to school, and a lot of guys can relate to this. It was scary. Uh, Remember the time, uh, you know, they said, come up to the house, and we come up for a pledge meeting, and then all of a sudden, like, ah, tonight we're having a party. Hey, here. Here, Buzzy. They give us all red cups with beer, and we're, we're... Drinking beer. Hey, have a shot of tequila here. We're just partying tonight. You, you guys got a day off from the horror horror that is pledging. <laughs> and we all bought into it like, hey, here's some marijuana. Who You smoke? Ah, come on. Have a few. To-. Uh, and, and other things, right? And then all of a sudden, we're everyone's buying it and we're having fun. And now we're getting cocky. Like now we can talk to the brothers in a way that maybe we normally wouldn't. And they're just writing notes the whole time behind our backs. And then next thing you know, they stop the music cold. And then it's the turn where they're screaming in our fucking faces. They tackle all of us, I think. Trying to remember this. You're nodding. Okay. Then they blindfold you. So now you're fucked up. I could speak for myself. I remember being very high and very drunk. And they're throwing us in cars. You don't even know what car you're in. You don't know who's driving. You're with two other brothers. And next thing you know, they take you for a ride. And you are going out somewhere in Livingston County in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York and marching far into a field. Far into a field. And you got to remember, before cell phones, they took our wallets and money. They made sure we had no money, no yep. wallets. Obviously, cell phones weren't a thing back then. And uh, they would drive us, depending on how much they liked you, which is key. And where I was dropped off, they, I, I figured out over the years they sort of liked me. <laughs> other guys got dropped off a little closer, and other guys got dropped off close to Canada, right? <laughs> I forgot about lying? that. You are not you are not lying. The the goal for, for the majority of these of these circumstances was for everyone to get back to the in-between before closing time. Because you know the mother hens still wanted all their chickens to come home yeah. that night. But the path to getting to that point by 159 a.m. Yeah was littered with story upon story upon story. And the pledge master would be in the back of the in-between just nervously drinking, like praying everyone was going to come back because it, it was pretty intense. And then when, when I was a brother and we did it to the pledges below us, when that pledge came running into the in-between, it was a, then it was truly a party and everyone did know, like, all right, you just went through some shit. Congratulations, you made it back before closing. Here's a picture of Alabama Slammers. <laughs> Thank you, Basher. But you know, it's in, now in, in hindsight, I didn't realize this at the time. But the brothers specifically would pair you up with another pledge brother that you weren't already close to. Right. I mean, right. there might be a pledge brother who lives on the other side of campus that you know you you weren't from the same hometown, you weren't from the same high school, you didn't play in the same sports team, you didn't, you weren't the same major. You kind of barely knew them. But by putting you in this unknown circumstance oh, in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you two had to bond quickly. The one thing we all were, though, white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yes. I'm just, I'm but kidding. wasn't there something where is if you did beat back some of the brothers, they were supposed to buy you drinks all night? Is that accurate? Oh, I don't remember, man. Uh, but I got to tell my story. So uh, went through this blindfolded. Drove for a while, but they were even screwing around, just driving in circles. Yep. So, so in your head, you're like, "Wait, I know that left. Okay, I know where I am now. Oh, wait, they took a right. Okay, all right. Oh, we just—I think we went about a mile. I think we're kind of near the courthouse. You could keep up for about a mile, and then all of a sudden, it was like, you know, you're buzzed. And you're like, oh, forget it. So then they they take us out of the car. The first thing I remember was just nothing, no noise. Nothing, not even crickets, because I think it was like early spring, right? So there's everything's still dead up there. Yeah. And they march us. And now I'm feeling, I'm like, wow, we're marching in the middle of a fucking field. And we march and we march. And I know they're not putting us in circles. They're trying to get us in the middle of this field, maybe a quarter mile out. And then they lean down. We all had to sit back to back, right? Yep. 
back to back. Oh my! I haven't thought of this stuff in a while. You looked like a hostage. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they lean down. They're like, "Okay, count to a hundred, and then you can take the blindfolds off because they want time to run out of the field, get in the car, so we can't figure out where the car's going, right?" And and so I was blindfolded. You're I, counting backwards from a hundred slowly. But like I am today, I, I was always a wise ass. So around uh, ninety, counting backwards to one. I'm like, guys, there's no way they're still here. I heard them. I heard their voices. They're in the distance. I heard them walking off. There's no way. And then I'm like, if we take blindfolds off now, we know the direction of the car. At least we have a head start on where we have to go, right? And everyone was in agreement. And I don't, me and you weren't doing this together, Fred. No. And then I remember taking the blindfold off and getting screamed at as the brothers. Put that blindfold <laughs> back on, puke! Count backwards from 500 now! And now I'm scared shitless. <laughs> I put the blindfold back on, and I think it was 500. And I think we even counted from a thousand just to be extra safe. And all the guys are looking at me, you son of a bitch. They're elbowing me as I'm going 432, 431. All I hear is, you're a fucking asshole. And when we get through this, blah, 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 blah. and then I take the blindfold off, and we are in the middle of nothing. And you can see just lights from some distant town in the horizon, but you don't know which town it was. And you're in the middle of some alfalfa field. Right. Without ID, without anything, and it's time to stick out the thumb and make your way home. Yeah, we all hitchhiked, and I remember it was pretty damn cold, and we got in the back of a, uh, stereotypically, we got in the back of a pickup truck, and they drove us all the way back to Geneseo. Uh, our experience wasn't that bad after that. We did get back pretty pretty good. Do you remember any of uh, the pledging stories? Could anyone beat that? No, I, but that story, we actually did beat the brothers back into the... All the brothers are supposed to be back, or they were supposed to buy drinks. And we were really far. We were about 25 miles away, because one car went by, said, no, no, turn around, and then another car came by, and the guy goes, I just happen to be going to bar in Geneseo. I'll give you a ride right there. We drove us right up, and I just remember a Steve A. and Al P. looking like, what are you guys doing here already? <laughs> But we didn't get our drinks paid for. <laughs> so sorry, then. sorry, man. Uh, I don't think you needed any more that night. <laughs> it got it gotten everybody pretty warmed up before the car ride. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, that segs into. There's so many stories, but that segs into. We all lived in the fraternity house for a little bit, and uh, I, I was telling these guys yesterday. They've been here hanging with me for like two or three days. We've been reminiscing and drinking and just having a really good time at the end of summer here, and. Uh, I, I got a lot of my music knowledge from that frat house. I got I got my uh, uh, my history of Zeppelin from there. Uh, then there was another guy that loved his uh, his Black Sabbath and Ozzy. Then uh, Buzzy's a huge Springsteen fan. Freddie was. How do you explain Freddie's music doors. knowledge? It's all the Doors. Yeah, yeah, definitely Doors first. But you probably had more knowledge than all of us back then, especially Doors, Stones, The Who, because we had gone to the Stones in. Uh, which tour? The Steel Wheels tour. Sure. I think that was our first one. <laughs> that's 89. <laughs> yeah, that's 89 because that would make you... That's, actually, know why I know that? Because I met Mick Jagger that night in Syracuse. For real. I was with Brother Weeze. I had no business meeting Mick Jagger. Trust me. But Brother Weeze, I was just uh, still a puke. I was working at CMF as a puke, basically. Uh, you know, a nobody, just a jack-of-all-trades, trying to do whatever they can, uh, trying to do whatever they needed to hopefully get some knowledge to finally get my own show. And me and Brother Weeze were really tight even way back then. And we was like, hey, bro, you want to go see the Stones? It's here it is. We got to drive the van. I'm like, all right, I'll drive the van and see the Stones. Fuck yeah. Next thing you know, we're, um, we're in the bowels of uh, the Dome. And he's talking to John Cher, who put on the uh-huh. show, who was uh-huh. really close with uh, Brother Weeze. So it's me, John Cher, Brother Weeze. And then Corey, what, what's the lead singer of uh, Cult of Personality? Corey Glover. Corey Glover. They were warming up for the Stones. All of a sudden, he's there. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Corey Glover. I'm, and I'm freaking out because I'm meeting Corey Glover. Because I, I, at that time, I wasn't really meeting a lot of celebrities. Next thing you know, Mick Jagger walks up because he has a question for John Cher. And I'm like... I stopped breathing, and I'm not even exaggerating. I'm just like, oh, 
I don't know what to say or do. <laughs> I'm not and worthy. I, oh, I do. I wasn't worthy. And I remember Mick Jagger was patiently waiting because John Cher was holding court. I'm like, wow, Jagger's waiting for John Cher to stop his story? You would think if you're Mick Jagger, everything stops. But John Cher's like, you can fucking wait. I, I'm in the middle of telling Weez this thing. And then... Uh, briefly met Mick Jagger. That's pretty cool. I'd never heard that story. Oh, really? I've never heard, never heard, never heard that, that story. story. Yeah, no. it was uh, it was it was a highlight for sure. But you were go you were going to a Stone show. Yes. So we oh we went to a Stone show back at Rich Stadium back in mm-mm, and what happened that day? I remember there was something about tickets in a bathroom at UB. Hmm, yeah, I just remember going to bed and hearing, Did anybody see a bag of tickets? <laughs> and it wasn't ours. It, and they weren't our tickets. But somebody lost their tickets somebody and was going door to door searching for them. And I was on the top bunk. I was on the top bunk, and I just remember this person coming around going, Did anybody see these effing tickets? And... Somebody in the three of us had those tickets. I don't remember this story. <laughs> <laughs> so many years ago. What, you had the tickets and you didn't give them back? I, I, good for, good, I, I'm here to say good for you. I, I, I think that's what happened. Because the one thing that is really important uh, with us three, like I said, we've known each other since we were 18, and we all hustle big time and always trying to take care of each other over the years. Because we had, you know, going into radio, TV, and eventually uh, the newspaper business, we had we had no fucking money for the longest time. So if you found tickets like that, that was, yeah. that was, that was grocery money for a few months. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, look, here's a story. I used to work at the College Union snack bar at the sandwich counter. And somebody in the three of us, with a name B, okay, happened to know that, you know, just put a couple of servings of ham, a couple of servings of turkey, a couple of servings of cheese, and then put a giant piece of lettuce and give it to him on a roll. He learned how to wrap it up like a mummy in (laughs) Egypt. So that he would walk up there with his very innocent face and go, "Uh, what do you have? I have a ham and one slice of cheese and one slice of lettuce. Meanwhile, this thing could have fed Cambodia for a month. <laughs> so instead of being like a five, six dollars, whatever the prices were back then, you you were able to get that same sandwich for like a dollar. Well, you were you to this day you're looking for deals. Well, he was, was doing deals back then. But the suspicious part, which nobody seemed to get, because maybe the cashiers were making like five cents an hour more than us, was. Why are you buying, like, five other rolls? <laughs> <laughs> Just happen to like a lot of bread. Wait, you were lucky enough to be the sandwich maker? Oh, I was oh, the yeah. sandwich maker. I worked behind the grill. I actually worked the register where said person would come by and then go, well, I don't think it should kind of be that much, so that's probably a cart in the milk. Ching, hand me a card. The, 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 this was really the first 15-pound sandwich First, first fifteen pound sandwich, and there were there were a lot of them. And the lettuce couldn't have been any bigger. I mean, it just covered it. And if you could see the wrapping, because there's really no way somebody would want to unwrap like four levels of wrapping. It's probably like wrapping something for Amazon, like a jewel, and putting bubble wrap around it. That's kind of the wrap job. So somebody's like, I'm not just yeah, yeah. whatever. Whatever it is, I I I, I believe you. It's a sandwich, good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Next, yeah. no, I can't get over the fact that you were a sandwich maker because I also worked in the dining halls to try to make a few extra bucks because you know, I'd spend all the money from caddying in the first week at Geneseo drinking my face off with everybody. You, you know, you you plan for the semester and then realize a weekend like oh fuck, so now I got to get a goddamn job. <laughs> and I worked in the dining hall as well, but I I had to wash the the dishes. And remember the trays were on the conveyor belt. And I know this is some a story that probably many people have told, but I'm telling you, it is the truth. I had a lot of asshole friends and fraternity brothers, and they would light the trays on fire. So when they went in, they would go in under that thing, you know, with the... So they would light it quick at the last second. They made sure they had napkins so it was going to go up fast so they could light it. And by the time they walk away, the fire is developing, and it's really enraging when it goes behind 
not in public anymore, you know, behind the scenes in the kitchen, and I had to deal with fucking trays, trays on fire. I never heard that I never story. Heard Are you serious? I've never, I've never heard, heard that, that story. All these years? What, wait, what? where did you work? Because I worked at the college union. You must I, have worked over at the other side. Yeah, uh, I forgot the name of the dining hall back then. Uh, yeah, it was Onondaga, Suffolk, Nassau, whatever that dining hall was over so there. So walk me through this again. I'm not understanding. So you It wasn't every day, by the way. You know, certainly. You take the tray with the food on it, the bad lime jello and the baked scrod that you didn't really you want to You put it on eat. a conveyor belt. And, and you put it on a conveyor belt. You'd but but they knew, no, knew. no, it was a conveyor belt where you could plop down and you could yes. watch it go for yes. about five or six feet and then, and then it disappeared behind those whatever those things are. Those like, like at the like airport. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they would light the napkins nobody says anything (laughs) and they're shoving this inferno into where a poor and suspecting 3.30 an hour person because that's what they paid in the late 80s (laughs) right hey man this was the 90s you just got away with uh, so much more back then right (laughs) right especially like let's just abuse the feathered haired redhead mousy looking guy and shove in a lit tray we didn't understand pc culture or any of that stuff back then it was the wild wild west when you went to college it it wasn't like what college is today it's a bunch of nonsense back then it was crazy shit happened all the time and no one no one really ever got in trouble for anything yeah and and you know, and it's not like there was a seamless end to it, you know, after you turned the tassel on your cap and gown from one side to the other. The the hijinks continued, especially if you stayed in college town after you graduated. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean we're only uh we're only touching the surface, but you're right. So so Freddie, it's so funny. Freddie decided to be uh, out of us three. He de- he was the first one of the three to try to be responsible, and he's like, "Man, I got to get the hell out of Geneseo." <laughs> Me and Buzzy are like, "There's no reason to leave <laughs> just because you graduate. What does that mean? What are you gonna do? Move home with your parents? <laughs> right? No way." I want to back up for one second, then I, I know where you're going. Uh, back to cheating, and yeah. I don't know if I was the only one. You remember Coach, right? Oh, of course. Twenty bucks a paper. Did you ever pay him? Sure did. Twenty okay, bucks a paper. So, so, Guar- Twenty bucks a paper, guaranteed B. Guaranteed B. Yes. And if you wanted an A, he he wouldn't guarantee the A, but to to try to get you the A costs, I think, at least forty. Well, you had to research the subject a little bit more. Well, supposedly this guy he. Where was it? The Idle Hour? Yeah. Yes. Right, so at the Idle Hour. He worked at the Idle Hour. He was a, he was a brainiac. I don't know what his uh I don't know what he was all about. Did he go to Geneseo? He had multiple degrees. I do remember that part. He had, he had multiple degrees and he was your go-to paper writer. So you would go into the Idle Hour. He would sit in the back and hold court. He had his own spot. He had like a, a high top table. And you would go in there. Everyone knew. Well, the people, you know, there, know. there, there was a network. Uh, yeah, the college certainly didn't know. And uh, and people that were desperate no- enough to go to him weren't going to say shit to anybody else. And it was just this weird network. And you would go back there. You would tell him the topic. He would go, yeah, I think I could get you a B on that. And he had supposedly, what I heard over the years, he had just files and files of old papers and, and everything from, from just years of uh, professors handing out these assignments. But remember. This Every was, paper he created was custom because right. he had to type it. Yeah, so he that was the hardest thing for him. He would grab the 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 the, the final paper that you had to write, and he's like, "Oh, okay." And then he would rework it. Remember, this is before the internet, because then the kids were also onto this with their final exams, and they would go online. But then they started coming up with all these programs where the where the students couldn't do that anymore. But we're talking before before the internet, and he knew how to he knew how to change it just enough. And he's like, "Wait a minute." That professor doesn't even teach that class anymore, so I could use his paper for the new professor, and this new professor won't even know at all. Oh, wait, you still have that guy. Oh, okay, I got to I gotta switch yep. it up to make sure it's different. So anyway, I, uh, I took a dumb class called uh, Russian History. Russian history. And I remember it was getting close to it. Why? I, I don't know why. Oh, know why? I know why. And this is something I haven't thought of in a while. Was the hot girl in the class? <laughs> it was either that. But honestly, what it was, was remember everyone would warn you like, hey, man, if you don't pick your classes within two days, you're fucked. Weird. Remember that? Yeah. All, the, yes. all the cool classes would, would fill up. So I was stuck with something called, I, I think it was called Russian history or something like that. And it was it was either uh, midterm or the final. And I I... I I mean, you guys were my pals forever. I think I went one to one of you guys. 
or maybe another fraternity brother. And I don't know, because maybe it was you guys. And I said, fuck, I am fucked. I haven't gone to class all semester, and I got a midterm on uh, Russian history. And they said, you got to go see Coach. And I'm like, Coach, who's this? And then they let me in on this thing. Yep. So I remember being a nervous kid from Long Island, walking to the dark back of the idle hour where he's holding court. And I go, uh, are you coach? Yeah, why? Mr. Mr. Coach? Uh, I hear you could maybe uh, um, uh, help, help, help me. Help you with what? Like, he would not give in. I'm like, uh, 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 I'm, uh, well, I'm uh, taking a class called Russian history. Good for you. And you had to break, you had to break yeah. yourself in because he's just studying you. Like, are you a narc? Yeah. Are you fucking, did they send you from the college or are you the real deal? Then he would finally lighten up. So I made the deal for this paper for Russian history. And I'll never forget it. I was the, I don't remember how I got the news, but I'm like, man, that's weird. I, I, he's promised me the paper by Thursday. I need to hand it in Friday or whatever it was, something like that. And all of a sudden I got word that he had a heart attack while I was making this exchange with him. Oh. And I'm like, oh my God, I could have... I could have maybe at least got a, a D plus C minus paper to at least pass. Long story short, I wish I, it was a better ending, but he actually had a heart attack. I remember like yesterday. He was sort of okay, and this is how cool this motherfucker was. He made sure I still got my paper. Oh, bravo, it was, I bravo. think it was a day late or two days late, but I got it just in time. <laughs> That's great. I, I had not heard that before. Oh, wow, <laughs> really? These are that. all new. And you yeah, got a list of old that. stories that we're going to get into. And I actually know a fraternity brother, a Matt E., who said, quote, I've never written a paper in college because of... That guy? Coach. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Never wrote a paper in college because of Coach. Never, not one. I think a lot of people can relate to this stuff because wherever they went to college, they had their own scams. Like, part of going to college was the hustle, too, you know, because you need the hustle in, in the real world. It's, it's true. You're, you know, there's a lot more learning that takes place uh, during those four years or more. <laughs> right, so, so, well, they use later in life. And Fred's like, I got to be responsible. I'm moving back to Lindbrook, Long Island. And me and Buzzy are like, you're nuts, man. This is crazy. Wait, we're this- DJing. We're bartending. We're, we're going to get jobs at our major someday we're around here. Well, we found out quickly, turning 23 in Geneseo, you might as well have been uh, 40. Man, on, did on Sugar you? Mountain. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you stuck out like a sore thumb. People were like, oh, my God, look at the old guys. <laughs> Is that a townie? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I decided actually uh, to take a fifth year of college because also I learned, I'm like, wow, my, my home life is really not that much fun on Long Island. I'm having a blast up here. I'm with everybody's my age. We're partying. I'm doing radio. I, I got this fraternity thing. That's cool. I got these friends. And I'm like, someone goes, you know, you could just slow down your, uh, your, 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 uh, your workload and take less credits and just, you know, you could, you could do an extra semester. I'm like, well, why do an extra semester when you could do an extra year? <laughs> so my fifth year of college, I barely went to class. I think I had to take like two or maybe three classes per semester. Maybe. My thinking, though, is like, you know, to be serious for a second, I hated being in the classroom. And I'm like, I just want to run the radio station. So... I was in the classroom less, and it, it allowed me to actually uh, run the radio station, which truly did set up my entire career. I know we're just busting each other's balls here, but it truly did. You know, I, it wasn't like I was being completely irresponsible. I'm like, wait, if I take an extra year, I got all this experience. I could actually now run the college station with a couple other guys that went on to pretty good radio careers. And then, you know, I go to class here and there. And if I have to, I'll, I'll go see coach or we'll go get more garbage from the dumpster. <laughs> I think I got this. It's a, it's a great time in life to, have, to be so carefree, few responsibilities and uh and to be focused on frankly on what you what you really want to do with your life it's yeah. a, it a great time in life and when i was running uh the radio station buzzy was running the tv station you got any good uh uh, uh stories from doing that uh, one good one yeah as a matter of fact i do but it comes after college that's all right it's funny in in preparation for our time together this week i uh was going through the archives, and uh, I've amassed uh, quite a video collection over the years. And uh, uh, Buzzy's being polite. He's basically a hoarder, and it's really, really scary. He actually brought the letter. Tell him what he brought, the letter of... 
of being invited to not live on campus anymore. So, no, well, that, uh, but but also, uh, you got to explain to the people, because you guys were roommates, the communications he gave you before you even went to college. He sends me in a communication, a letter that says, I've got these two posters that are this size. I'm like, who? Yeah, the size of the posters the written size down? written down. Well, you figure you got three guys living in a room that's, uh, you know, but this way, most people's shower is bigger than our dorm room was for three people. And, um, you know, you got you to gotta get along. You got to plan ahead. You got to, you know, you don't get to put all your stuff all over the walls. You kind of got to split it three ways. So I had a couple favorite posters I wanted to bring, and I measured them and put them in a letter to, to Stork. And we lived in a suite with four juniors four juniors and our floor was mixed with sophomores juniors and we had an ra who probably could have been in aa <laughs> yeah. yeah the ras who were in charge of the floors and the suites they were the biggest partiers well i never even knew that i think my friend here to my left knew this but she had a certain book that she really only took off at certain points of the day and it went through with all four years of college. I'm like, finally, I go, what was that book? Well, it was hollowed out. It had certain paraphernalia in it, which she used. Really? Yes, over the course of time. Oh, that's unbelievable. Yep. Well, you had to be inventive and creative back then, right? See? Well, yeah, we were creative by putting a wet towel under the door, hoping hoping the smoke wouldn't go into the hallway. That's what we did at Onondaga. What do you mean, the smoke from the dining room tray? <laughs> <laughs> that's it, that's it. But then it turns out the RA knocked on the door like, oh, fuck, we're fucked. And then she's like, let me in. I want some, too. Right. That was our RA, like... Hey, wait, why aren't I included? This is the one that's supposed to write us up. Meanwhile, we could just write her up. It was blackmail her. Well, as soon as you realized the RA was cool, then the whole the, the whole dorm floor looked like Cheech and Chong's van. Every time they opened the fucking door, there was pot all over the place. We're like, we're in now. They're in charge and they're cool. She was the one that showed us how to take three pennies and put them in the quarter slot and you the wash with it. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because you had to, it was a coin-operated laundry machine on your floor. And uh, when the RA, jargon check, residence assistants, assistant, when, uh, when she's teaching you how to jimmy the machine and, and uh, get a 25-cent wash for three cents, man, yeah, that's, that's, that's beer money right there. That's beer money. I, I had a unique talent with the, uh, the vending machines. I, I was, well, Fred was always thinner than me and, and you, Buzz. But I, I, for a while there, I had a really, really thin arm. I was actually able to, uh, it was the soda machines. I don't know if it worked with the candy machines. I don't know if I tried. I probably tried and it didn't work. I was able to, you did this too? There was a time with the vending machines, if your arm was thin enough, you could reach up where the uh, the soda, and now you're feeling around like you're, you're feeling around for a G-spot. <laughs> so your arm is all the way in the machine to your elbow, and it's in a really uncomfortable position. You're like, oh, that's the wiring. You learn after a while, okay, i got to go around this wiring a little bit. There's the buttons. And then I actually had a little business. This was more in high school, to be honest with you. I had a little business at the end of basketball practice where people would give me uh, half the, the price for the soda but soda is probably 50 cents i'm like give me a quarter i'll get you one he's like oh they just were curious to see this and i didn't want my talent to go with i wanted to make something off it and i'm like what do you want you want to oh you want an orange uh, soda okay it's third to left click and then it would come down with my arm and i would hand him the hand him the sodas i'm a little thirsty right now (laughs) (laughs) we actually i don't even know how Obviously, someone else did this and had to have told me, and then, uh, you know, I was the next guy in line to do it because the guy that probably originally did it, his arm probably got too big. (laughs) (laughs) He gained weight. Right. It's like a hand bottle. So he gained weight. So I think they searched around the high school like, hey, kid. You're pretty scrawny. (laughs) We're going to pass the secret along to you. Yeah. This is your destiny. We moved on to coat hangers. Right. So we one night happened to observe we were going, walking down. I'm, I'm hungry. Let's go get a candy. And we happened to see this Marty, and I believe it might have been Kevin. Uh, all of a sudden, they're like, wait, you guys are paying for that candy? We go, well, what do you mean? And all of a sudden, producers, whoosh, look at this beautiful hanger. Like, 
Why is it shaped like a hook, but did it's you, got an angle to did it? Did you lock your keys in your car? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why do you have a coat hanger standing next to the vending machine? All of a sudden, they go like, look. So it was bent on like a, I guess, a 90 degree angle, and they go, look at the beauty of this. Tug that little spiral wheel. Next thing you know, it's raining candy. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Until towards the end of the semester, they stop filling the bottom row. <laughs> And nobody had a coat hanger that long. <laughs> or an arm that long. Unless it was like a pterodactyl. Now, there's too much, but... So you guys room together, and that's, you know, to wrap this, uh, this episode up, I think we got to do at least another one. But to wrap this episode up, so we met when we were 18. You guys were roommates. And then I, I came across and, and met you guys. And like I said, the rest was history. And then we pledged, and we've been friends ever since. But you got it. You got, from your perspective, you got it talk to about Buzzy getting kicked out of the dorms. All I can say is the letters where I was uh, invited to depart the college campus living situation, they were they were written with a quill. I'm just going to say they're, they're <laughs> probably more than 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. What do you do to get kicked out? Uh, well, the first was operating, operating a you know, it's not one fell swoop. You've got it, it proceeds in stages. You've got to have a few violations under your belt before you're invited to find alternative housing. But the first, um, I thought I was being really smart. Okay, so let me rewind and pause and say this. Back uh, at the time, there was a bar on campus, and it would have theme nights. Okay, so it might be Rolling Stones night one Thursday night. Well, on this particular occasion, it was Bruce Springsteen night. Now, you both know this. Anyone who knows me knows this. I've been a Bruce Springsteen fan uh, since since uh, uh, junior high school and had amassed quite a collection of illegally recorded tapes. Okay, bootlegs, as they call them in the biz. So I'd amassed quite a collection of Springsteen bootlegs, and I'm thinking to myself, self, entrepreneur as we've talked about here wouldn't it be great target marketing to sell springsteen bootlegs at springsteen night at the bar i thought it was genius wasn't that the hub uh no it was the rascaler i mean the Ras- Ras- yes. no that's what i was yes yeah. i just called it i was there yeah, yeah. so could- so springsteen night at the rat and um i wrote out by hand my 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 list of bootlegs so you've got you know the the, the quintessential 8978 agora theater uh, uh cleveland ohio broadcast you've got peace to resist stones from the 78 tour as well you got a couple of recordings from the river tour uh some some uh, born to run era 75 shows so it's like a two two page list that i've that i've got and uh i'm pretty proud of myself at springsteen night threat just handing out copies left and right and i think back maybe five bucks for a bootleg, 10 bucks for a bootleg. So I got people coming up to me, you know, you're transacting, right? It's kind of like the scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, right? With, you know, scoring the tickets in the mall. Were you going for extra credit in your class? Um, you know, this, I just believed in the power of targeted marketing, just like I do today. <laughs> <laughs> and you were reaching the appropriate demographic... Appropriate demographic, and uh, I mean, how much more targeted can you get to sell to sell Springsteen bootlegs than at Springsteen Night at the Rat? Anyway, can I ask one question? Sure. Where did you get all these uh, shows from back in the day? Because at that point, you weren't bootlegging all of them. And and on the next episode, we're going to get into the bootlegging and how I helped you and other people oh, yeah. helped you. It's an amazing, amazing operation that you put together. But but back then, you just found other collectors you, around you know, the. You, you find people. Um, but how do you find them? Because people got to remember this was pre-internet. Now you could, it's easy to find people like you. Back then, how the hell did you find people that were bootlegging Springsteen shows and how how you guys were uh, trading so you you were building up each other's collections? I'll tell you what, the number one source was an ad in the back of Rolling Stone magazine for Pied Piper Records. So Pied Piper Records took out a classified ad throughout the 70s, 80s, whatever decade it was. And... Um, you could send them a self-addressed stamped envelope and get their list of records. And this is when they were selling vinyl, vinyl, vinyl bootlegs. There were also some stores in Buffalo. Uh, I want to say Play It Against Sam's. Play It Against Sam's. You had to know, you, you know, just like for looking for coach in the bar, you had to establish trust first, okay? Because they don't know if you're a narc coming in, busting, busting you for uh, selling bootleg albums. And... Uh, Anyways, you Pied Piper Records, you know, you could get a great bootleg for 20, 20 bucks through the mail. Wow. So that's that was the that was that fed a lot of uh, my my library. 
But uh, back to the letter. So I was... Uh, so you handed out these lists. Handed the, out my lists, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, the list fell into uh, the wrong hands. Someone with... Uh, someone with administrator attached to their name uh, must have also been a Springsteen fan that night and lo and behold a couple days go by and I'm getting a letter from the Dean of Students uh, writing me up for running an illicit business out of my dorm room. <laughs> what was the Dean's name appropriately? Uh, it was uh, it was Dean Boots as in do this again you're booted. <laughs> was it Dean Boots? Yes. Dean I, I forgot C all about that name. Boots. Yes. 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 Also back then you also had the fanzine so people that actually do these little uh, on like they actually write them out on like uh, eight and a half by eleven and would mail them out. So they create them on their own. So you go like the Cream magazine yep. and you get these fanzines, and that's where a lot of these things were generated from. And then what also would happen? We had a town and store called um, the bookstore, Sundance Books. All right, they would run off copies, but their deal was you had they didn't sell them. Nope, you had to give them. I believe it was twice of yes. what. Like if it talked, it required two ninety minutes. You had to send them four. Yep. So it wasn't actually exchanging money, but they were charging you twice as much in tapes. Yep. So I think that's how they kind of got around it because they they were famous for Grateful Dead. That you would go there all day, all night. And the Grateful Dead would constantly be copying Grateful Dead tapes. As I, I, I never knew this. Yes. Seriously? You never knew? No! Oh, Sundance. Oh, but I wasn't a huge music guy oh. yet. You'd walk into Sundance Book up on Main Street next to Buzzo's Music. Yeah. And the, the the tape machines are there, and they'd constantly be copying dead shows. I had, wow, this is... I I never they, heard this yeah. before. They would actually... It was right behind the cash register. There was at least four, could have been eight decks. They would stop a sale. You'd be ready to pay... No, 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 hold on. i got to flip the tape. And they would flip the tape in front of you because I had asked about it. I go, what are you guys doing? And they explained. So were you getting your dead stuff back? Because Freddie's a huge uh, deadhead. That was the, no, I was in the Doors. You're still doing the Stones thing because I had this Sony boombox, which I used to like to listen to sometimes in the shower. And every once in a while I'd go looking for this said boombox, and I didn't know where it went. So I'm like, I don't think anybody stole it. Why would they want to steal it? All of a sudden, come running through the door with this Bruce Springsteen playing in it. Hey, I borrowed your player. Because <laughs> I'd just walk around campus with that thing literally on my shoulder, on my shoulder, blasting out Springsteen bootlegs. Like my bump box? Yeah, it's like uh, your bump box is awesome. That thing blasted the beach. Quick shout out to Bump Box. Yeah, great. That's a great. That's a great. It's an amazing box. product. But anyway, so so the, so you were running an illicit uh, business. Yeah, in, in your dorm there was room. an illicit business being run in the dorm room. That was uh, that was step number one. Uh, next year, let's see. There are a couple of other incidents, but the one that sealed the deal was we were skeet shooting. We were target practicing. Except it wasn't like you see in the movies. This was uh, dining hall dishes. Going up against a sewer grate after a night out in the town. Clear. Clear. But was it a gun? No, it was dining hall plates being tossed from the second floor window to hit that metal grate right in the middle of the quad. <laughs> but was there anything else involved? Uh, just, 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 just the dorm director being an eyewitness. <laughs> no, but I mean, when you skeet shoot, you usually throw the plates up and you shoot it with a gun. What I remember, because I was one of the three, but I was clever enough to escape. Yeah, you ran. Using a flashlight. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> to pretend like, oh, I got it. So that was a point. But what they failed to realize, my two accomplices here, was that, where this gr said grate was was probably about 50 feet from the bedroom of the resident director, who was a very weight-challenged woman named <laughs> Pat. Oh, <laughs> there, there, there was no challenge to that weight. <laughs> she had a very distinct nickname, and I just can't recall because it's been since the late 80s when I was in school, early 90s. Liar. Do you remember? Liar. <laughs> what was the name of said person? I, I, uh, 
I could say blow pig. <laughs> I could second that. And I could third that because I have a pin that is on said, said pledge paddle that I might what? still have. Why did you nickname her blow pig? <laughs> we did not. Oh, no. no. Oh, oh no, can't, take, this was, can't take credit. Nope, can't take credit. This was... um. This was another resident of the dining hall who, um, are of the dorm that assigned that name after a late night incident. Correct. So again, early on, I we're just observers, right? So early on in our suite, three rooms around a common little area, and we were lucky enough to have three of us jammed into one room with the posters that are measured appropriately, and then four juniors. So one of them happened to be a guy named G- uh, Gary C. Okay, Gary C. happened to just finish up his all of his exams on the very first day and proceeded to party, party, party a little bit. Party was a safe word to use. Right, and apparently the bathroom might have been taken up in the suite, so he wound up going into the uh, common bathroom off the hall. But as I remember, somehow he ended up on the floor with the door open. Yeah, something like that. Yep, and you know... Again, no, we're just observers. Just, just observers, but... All of a sudden, somebody mentions, you know, you need to get up, you need to move on, you need to just go in, you know, probably one of the security guards. Lo and behold, get away, get away. Well, said R.D. Pat O. (laughs) says something to the effect, you know, Gary C., you need to get up from the floor. And he proceeds to say, get off me, you fat fucking blow pig. (laughs) So then, and the name stuck. The name sticks. Then he proceeds to go back into our common area. Now, it's all of our area, but unfortunately, he seems to take the whole suite and just dump it upside down. I've seen bird cages that are neater, okay? Even though we had this TV that had a spoon that turned the channels he, he, and had Fruit Loops over it. He trashed my 19-inch black and white TV. He trashed it. I was I was heartbroken. I paid twenty dollars for that at a garage sale. And this wasn't an LCD TV. Let's just be very clear about that. This actually had a tube. It had lots of tubes. Lots of tubes. That, that actually that TV. Okay. So I always knew I wanted to be involved in television, and it turns out that worked out quite well for me. But back in high school, I wanted my own TV in my own room, okay? You know, I want to watch different things than my parents do, and we only had one TV in the house like most families. Uh, So I saved some money through my paper route and my job at the grocery store after that and saved up $20 to buy a TV at a garage sale. Now, it was called a portable TV, and the only reason it was called a portable TV is because it had a handle. But make no bones about it, it had to weigh 45, 50 pounds, okay? So portable was, uh, it should have had quotation marks around it. Anyways, I buy it at a garage sale. This is back when I'm in high school. And I bring it home, and I, you know, I hook up some rabbit ears to it, and I plug it in, and it works fine. You know, I'm watching Star Trek in my own bedroom. Those, those fuzzy rabbit ears? No, no, no. These would be the wire rabbit ears pointed towards Buffalo, New York, picking up the broadcast over the air free and clear. It works for a week, and then it dies. I'm heartbroken. 20 bucks down the drain. So I grabbed my mom's vacuum cleaner, my dad's tool kit, and I took the TV apart. And I vacuumed all the tubes. Like, you know, with the suction. You, know, you put the, the tube. You got the little, you know, the thing that your mom uses on the, uh, the, the end tables. It's got the brush. I cleaned it all, all the tubes. Put them back together. Turned the TV on. Voila. Star Trek. Ultraman, you name it. All your favorite programs. I'm like, you know what? This taking things apart and putting them back together again, this is kind of fun. And um, that was the TV. Now, and, and, and he broke that. He broke that. He broke the TV that I had resuscitated back as a high school student. <laughs> but the the stork is just shaking his head, but the, and but I am too. Like what? But there were Fruit Loops what, on it because right. were you ever a kid and just enjoyed your life? He was always, he was always ahead of his time, ahead of everybody else. <laughs> Who does this? I don't know. So, so the skeet shooting was uh, what got you? Yeah, that was out? the final straw. That, that was one, and then there was the running the business out of the yeah. dorm, and there was one other. thing 
thing I thought. Maybe I, you know, it just there was. I uh, go go back in the house and look for. I brought all the letters with me just to jog your memory. So it's probably in that stack inside the house. All right. So this is what we're gonna do. I uh, we have so much more to do. Oh my god. So we decided we were gonna you know do a podcast and tell some old stories, and then uh, you know Buzzy uh, he's visiting me here out at the beach and. Uh, he goes, so you want to do this? I'm like, I guess we can because it's a weird day today anyway. We can't really uh, – it's really windy out there. And Buzzy goes, I might have something. Like, he, he brought all sorts of old tapes, old footage. Uh, and then he goes downstairs and he brings up a list of stories he wants to tell. We, we haven't even told any of these we yet. We haven't even gotten to the list. And I've had this list with me from like a couple radio gigs ago. Right. It's, it was show prep. So it's like four or five years old, this list? Uh, Buzzy from, easily. Because Buzzy, uh, my entire career, and Fred, unfortunately, not so much, which is unfortunate because you got great stories too. Buzzy would come in uh, when he had business in New York and come on the show from time to time. So we'll wrap up this episode of the Opie Radio Podcast as we're telling these great uh, old old stories. And why don't you tease some of the stories we're going we're gonna to tell on the next episode. Yeah, I was going to say, let's, uh, let's set a little cliffhanger here for the next podcast. We've, right. uh, coming up, we're going to hear a story about... Whiteout, and it has nothing to do with typing a paper. We've uh, also got fake phone calls, and we're not talking jerky boys, but real, honest to goodness, how do we fool the boss who eavesdrops on all your calls in order to fake a job offer? That and more coming up in the next podcast, right? To to get a little rate. Wait, you're you're missing the best ones. Keep going. The bootlegging of the concerts that I got involved with. Living in a group home. Come on, let's keep going. Living in the attic. Yep. Uh, What else? Uh, Living with JC, the bacon incident. And how about marrying the dead cat? (laughs) Oh, no. You want to tell the story of marrying the dead cat, Fred? Let's leave that as a cliffhanger for the next show. (laughs) Why? Oh, you mean, but we'll tell it, right? Absolutely. All right, let's wrap this episode up at the OP Radio Podcast. These are my dearest, oldest friends. I've been through a lot in my life. Buzzy's been through a lot in his life. Stork certainly has been uh, through a lot in his life. And we always come back to center. These guys I've counted on for no joke well over 30 years. They've they've never done me wrong. They were always there for me. We've been there for each other as as much as we bust each other's balls. And it's so good that I'm able to you know hang out with these guys again. It's been a few years actually, maybe two years since we've seen each other. So we're gonna uh, wrap up this episode of the Opie Radio Podcast. I think we're gonna get a Bloody Mary. Although these days Stork doesn't drink, I drink a little. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's I'm just that kidding. As a I'm just kidding. But we're gonna take leaks at least, and maybe get a drink, maybe a little breakfast. And uh, well, to you, you don't know any of this because you got to wait a few days. But on the next Opie Radio podcast, I'm gonna continue with my dear friends, uh, Stork and Buzzy. All right. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you like this man, subscribe to the podcast. I'd appreciate that. Any plugs? Any plugs? You good? I'll be at uh, uh, the Chuckle Hut uh, Thursday night. Uh, Thursday night, nine, two shows. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Chuckle Hut. Join the Pot Squad on Facebook. Uh, Facebook. I got the link in the description of this episode. But basically, yeah, we're over there at, uh, on Facebook just fooling around, talking about the podcast and other things. Sayonara. Sayonara? That's how we end? That's right. how we end. All right, let's go. Cool.